Dr. Amalia Gonyas Malka. Welcome to Womanity, Women in Unity, the show that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggles for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights, democracy, racism, socioeconomic class division, and gender-based violence. Joining us today in our Johannesburg studio is ultramarathon champion Gerda Steyn, who currently holds the winning titles of the Comrades 89-kilometer marathon and Two Oceans 56-kilometer marathon. One of her next targets is the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo. She's here today to share her journey and what it takes to strive for your dreams. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Amelia. It's a pleasure to be with you today. We were so glad to have you in studio and to fit in between your training schedule to come and talk to us today. Thank you so much. Yes, I've finished my morning's workout early morning. So yes, it's, it's such a pleasure to be here. And where do you work out? This morning specifically, I had a long run. So I just used the streets of Perorio actually this morning to train in. It's beautiful. When I was reviewing your profile, it really stood out for me that you've had a completely different career and and start into running. And I know that these days it's not uncommon for people to have diverse careers. But for you, there's been quite a leap from being a quantity surveyor working in Dubai to becoming not just a professional endurance athlete, but a champion ultramarathon runner in a relatively short space of time. I think it's six years. Yes, that's correct. Um, my th- story is quite a bit different to your average athlete, um, whereas normally af- uh, marathon runners or ultra marathon runners often start off at the track y- during high school or even primary school and work their way up through university and probably join an academy somewhere along the line and then um, finally becoming a marathon runner, whereas my story made a massive U-turn a few years ago. Um, so um, of in, during my school years, I was not an athlete at all. I did enjoy the outdoors. I enjoyed sports in general. But no, I never stood out in anything. I did try everything, but I was just basically just a bit too slow to make any sort of decent team. <laughs> so your talent was just lying in wait. Yes, absolutely. I think um, if I look back now, so I tried track running, um, fast sprinting, all of that. That was just um, available to me in my school. Um, I always tried it but never stood out but one thing I never tried and never got into really was cross-country running and I do think now looking back if I got into that earlier I might probably have discovered my talent earlier but you know I, I followed the path I went to university like you said I started studied as a quantity surveyor and I loved my job I mean I, I thought this is what I wanted to do for the rest of my life I had no sort of problem with it or thinking the whole time what how can I escape or I, I did enjoy it <laughs> so how did you discover your talent what happened then is a few years I worked in Johannesburg for a couple of years and then I had a job opportunity from Dubai to go and work there and as we all know Dubai is known for its construction and it's all happening there with building work so I thought it's an amazing opportunity to go there and so I took the job and um, when I got there obviously I didn't know anyone I went with literally two bags and (laughs) um, a head full of dreams 
So, um, yeah, when I got there, I realized, like, I need to make friends in some way or another. And at the time, I did do a little bit of running, but honestly, nowhere near competitive or I didn't even do competitions because, (laughs) yeah, I just, I wasn't at that level at all. I just did it a little bit for fitness and just sort of, I, I always enjoyed it, but yes. And that's as far as it went. Um, so when I got there, um, not knowing anybody, I decided to join a running club over there. And actually, the first day I got to the running club, I met a group of people that was everyone was expats. They were from all over the world, the UK, Australia, all sorts. And they told me they were so surprised to meet me and to hear that I'm a South African because they told me that every year they come to do the Comrades Marathon in in, in Durban. And uh, it struck me so much. I mean, I knew how big Comrades was um, growing up and watching it on television with my mother and so forth. Um, I knew it was a massive event, but only when I got there, I realized how big an impact it really had. I mean, these people, they weren't even South Africans and they just went on and on about this amazing race and that how it almost took a, it took their whole year of training. Like they would just focus on comrades and everything else went around it. They would run marathons and other races, but everything was focused on comrades marathon. And it, it felt I felt so at home there, even though I didn't have anything to do of, about um, with comrades at the time. I just all immediately felt at home. So um, they took me in and I started training with them and we became friends. So, um, yeah, it just happened from there. I started improving. I then did my first marathon only three months after joining the running club. And even there already in the first three months, I showed massive improvement. So um, it went from there and things just became all more and more serious for me, even to a point where it where I had to make the decision to leave my office job and focus purely on running and see how it works out. So that's your, your journey into a professional career. And what would you say have been some of the highlights so far? Well, I can't, uh, I would lie if I'd say anything stands out, like um, winning the Comrades Marathon last year. It was just the most incredible feeling and the moment that I will never forget for the rest of my life. So I think if I had to um, point out one specific day, it's definitely um, last year's Comrades Marathon. And what made it so special? I think just the fact that, you know, the whole how how everything came together on that day um it's years and years of preparation i mean yes my career has been short but it's always been the main focus of my career it's always been the main focus of my everyday training and whatever i do to prepare myself as being comrades so i think at, on that specific day it all just came together um the year before i finished in second place um which was both incredible and I was really happy with my silver medal but it just left a massive void it's not gold no it's not gold it just left this void and I you know it's just like I can't forever settle for second place I have to I have to improve one spot so yeah I couldn't fault that day in one minute so yeah that's why And thinking about your training for a moment, you, so for instance, when we, we started, you said you were, you were running in the streets of, of Barrario. 
you must have clocked up significant mileage in your training. Any idea how many kilometers you've covered? I've covered quite a bit. <laughs> so I'm not so focused, though, in the same sentence on how many kilometers I do. I do count my hours of training. Um, and that also includes a lot of cross training. So I know runners can get quite a bit hectic about how many kilometers they've done for the year and for this month and for this week. And it just sort of mixes up your head and if you start comparing yourself with other runners it's a dangerous spiral to get involved in so i don't um, focus on counting my kilometers so much but i do count my hours of training and it's certainly it's it's counting it's adding up <laughs> and during a week what would you say you do um i'd say during a week oh, it can depend um my kilometers are often anywhere between 100 to 140 kilometers a week um, I tend not to go over that because then I uh, I have the risk of injury and just burn out, which for me is a massive concern. I really am so focused on mm. not stepping over the line. But yes, in in training in a holistic uh, approach, I don't hold back. I train a lot all day. I try to fit in four, five, six hours a day of training. Um, and I split it. Obviously, it's not six, five, six hours of intense training. Um, it can be anything from my running hours up to walking, even stretching and rolling. So, yes, that's how I, yeah, that's my approach to training. Thinking about sports and hearing what you said about winning the silver and it, it's just not gold. In sport, breaking records is is part of an outcome of yourself being, you know, pushing to the limits to to outbeat the competition. And I, I think it really demonstrates human capacity to to evolve, to change, to get faster. And last year, well, actually, to, to go back in your success of comrades runs, you've successfully shaved hours off of your time I believe you went from eight hours to seven hours to last year when you won to being just under six hours what physical and mental processes do you use to keep getting faster yeah there's a lot that goes into that I mean um, sometimes I feel like I I shouldn't overthink it and sometimes it just feels like it's sometimes just repeating the same thing over and over and over again and then when others give up you repeat it twice more and often that brings a lot of improvement on its own, just that, um, which, yeah, I think a lot of people give up too soon and you or you have one uh, achievement or one great day and you think that's enough. Um, but you should never feel like you've reached your limits now. You should never feel like this is the ceiling for me and I'm, f I'm happy with this. I'm good enough now. I think that's definitely one of the biggest keys to my improvement and my uphill up, up curve, if I can put it like that until now. It's just sort of, if even if, if fortune comes your way, just keep your head down and still put in the same amount of hard work and just do exactly what you've been doing and exactly what's been working for you. And I think that alone is already, a, it's, it's the step in the right direction. Um, the mental side of it is sometimes more challenging. Um, because ups, ups and downs can mix with your head. So you must really, really focus on keeping your head straight, keeping your mind in the right place. Your body will follow, but whenever your mind deviates off plan, that's when you, when you start to struggle. And where do you put your mind when you're doing this? There's loads of places. Um, I do, w before a race, 
as I plan my race plan in running, I have a mental race plan. Um, so often I use tactics to keep me positive. Um, I use road marks on the route. I plan it beforehand to if perhaps I would use family members. Um, I would tell myself that um, the first five kilometers I will run for my mom. The first 10 kilometers is for my dad. The first, if I get to 30 kilometers, imagine how proud my grandma would be. So, you know, you have these sort of... Those are um, real emotive drivers. I think it's important to have those. You, you, that you, put, you put something that you can sort of, that takes, off your, that takes your mind off the race, but also keeps your mind in the race at the same time. But it's just important for me to sometimes have a focus that feels bigger than me. So I would even use my supporters. I would say, what, why would I stop at 50 kilometers all my, imagine all the thousands of people that's watching this today. They can't, they're not expecting me to stop. So, you know, you use things that's bigger than yourself to keep you motivated. And I found that that really works for me. And yeah, it just keeps me, keeps me on the road. And yes, I, I do think that it's very, very important as an athlete to always focus on that. Because like I said, your mind is so strong. Your mind is what controls your body. And that's where you have to put the work in. You were talking about support structures. And last year, Iliad Kipchoge broke the, the two-hour marathon mark. And I was really struck by the team effort that went behind him. So can you tell us more about your support structures and how you feel this contributes to success? Yes, it's very interesting in running because when you look at uh, as a non-runner, you could look at running and think it's not a team sport. You run on your own, you're there. Um, it's only your two feet that carries you from point A to point B. But really, it's so much more than that. Um, I do think that support, a strong support structure is is very, very important. Like you say, with Iluit Kipchoge, we could see how his team just sort of, it, it, he floated in his team and it just carried him over the line. And that's an example for all of us. So me, for instance, um, I'm part of the Netbank Running Club and our manager, Nick Bester, is also my coach. Um, so yes, I just follow whatever he tells me to do. It's almost like, you put your trust not in yourself. You put it on him. He has to. He has to produce. You know, produce the 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 winning recipe. If I can almost say it like that. So. So he's sort of setting the strategy, and you're doing the implementation. Absolutely. I'm just the engine that has to do. Has to follow the the <laughs> the instructions, and it also helps because it is again. It feels like it's not me. It feels like it's. It's someone else. I'm putting the pressure on someone else. Whereas he perhaps feel like the pressure is on me because he just writes the program and I have to actually do the work. So it's a two-way um, relationship. Um, you have to have a lot of trust in your team, in your support structure. Um, but also it goes beyond just my running team. Um, my partner Duncan, he's also very, very supportive. He's a runner himself and he's also to run the comrades. So um, he supports me, understands running. He He's a pilot and often he gets home um, early hours of the morning and then he gets dragged out either on the bike or in the car or even running to support me on my early morning runs. So I think that is also very, very important. You have to have your whole, your, you have to create your entire environment to fit in with your running and your career. Um, it's not just going to the office and coming home and 
just uh, moaning maybe a little bit about work and then it's over. It's It takes your whole life, even when you're not running, even when you're relaxing at home, it's still you're still training and you're still focused on your running. You've created this ecosystem. <laughs> this little micro-environment, yeah. absolutely. But it is important. And it often, so for me, I had to make a transition because it was never important to me. I had an office job. I, I Yes, I did a bit of running, but not, you know, just for health, just whatever. It, it was just for maybe relaxation. And now all of a sudden things become important that wasn't important then. I have to get to bed early now. I have to focus on what I eat and what I drink and what time I wake up and how how good my sleep is and how how quiet my room is. So now all of a sudden there's so many more things to focus on. But I do find that if I'm focused on the small things, it makes a big difference in the end. So for me, it's it's not sacrifices. It's just changes and changes for good. So I'm really, really still enjoying the process. Well, all those interventions have certainly reaped the rewards if we look at 2019. Apart from your comrades and Two Oceans successes, you also placed 11th in the New York Marathon, which is the largest marathon in the world. I believe there's something like 50,000 runners <laughs> that crossed the fi- finishing line. I'm not yes. sure how many were in the starting yes. lineup. And you earned a qualifying time for the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. Now that you started running, uh, did the Olympics become part of your bucket list? Um, yes, it was an incredible race, the New York Marathon last year. And um, with regards to the Olympics, I can remember when a few years ago, someone once asked me if I think I would ever be able to make the Olympics, the Olympic team. And I laughed and said, I'm sure I'll make the Olympic team if they add maybe a 100 kilometer race to the Olympics. But that's about as far as my chances go. So um Dreaming about the Olympics, I did start dream about it uh, maybe a year ago. Um, the, at the end of 2018, I was very close to making the qualifying time for the new um, for the Tokyo Olympics. So I did start thinking that it's. And what were the times? And and what did you what did you get in New York? And what did you get in? Yes, so um, in 2018, I ran the New York Marathon as well, and my finishing time was 2 hours 31 minutes, and the qualifying time for the Olympics would be 2 hours and 29 minutes. Gosh, so it's two minutes. Close. Yes, it's close. It's, it is very close, but also in running terms, 2 minutes can be quite a, <laughs> quite a way. So, But I, I was almost 100% sure I had more in me. I, I knew I wasn't going to stop here. I, I could go 2 minutes quicker if I just put in the hard work. So um, then from from 2018, I started to really think about the Olympics and trying to make the qualifying time was a, certainly a, an, a big uh, <laughs> item on my list. So with the New York Marathon, um, yes, it's the biggest in the world and it's so amazing. That race is just something else. It's incredible. And um, they, the New York Marathon is one of the world's major marathons, but it is also known to be quite a tough route because it's not 100% flat and you can also have bad weather in some of the years. They've really had bad weather with very, very cold and temperatures. And I think they, there was one year where it was cancelled because of the bad weather. That's it, yeah. They had a proper storm, so they had to cancel it. But um, this year we were very, very fortunate with the weather. I mean, it was out of out of this world weather. It was incredible. And um, the bridges that you cross is, yes, it is, it's hard compared to uh, the Berlins and the Amsterdams. 
um, marathons, um, which is really 100% flat. But when we train here in Johannesburg, I mean, it is so hilly around here. You, I can't find a kilometers route that's just flat. If I want a flat, I have to go on the 400 meter athletics track. That's about as far as it goes. So, you know, I trained on the hills and when you get there, it's the, the bridges doesn't even seem like hills if you're used to training in Johannesburg. So I found that if I just, uh, you know, just um, adjust my training a little bit, uh, it will be fine. So I, I went into the uh, New York Marathon quite confident and um, I, I wanted also to make the top 10. Um, but unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, I was number 11th this year, which was the first year that um, a time of two hours and 27 didn't get you in the top 10. So I was unfortunate not to make the top 10, but also it is a race. It's not, uh, you're not racing against the clock, you're racing against your competitors there. And um, it's maybe just uh, an area that I have to still work on and improve. And I'm learning to adjust to to work around the race dynamics more rather than, than just focusing on what time I want to finish the race in. So, yes, I walked away with even more lessons, um, things to take with me in the future. So it's still just it's so exciting still for me. So having done the New York Marathon, you've qualified now for the Olympics. What goes into the preparations as next steps? So I'll have to see how it goes. Um, I've now for 2020, I've decided to, for the um, uh, for the beginning, first few months of 2020, my focus is, has been and is uh, to get my shorter distances times down. Um, so I've now run my first 10 kilometer race at the end of January, which I improved quite a lot on. So it's been a good start to the year. Um, I've now also got two more 21-kilometer races, which I will be targeting in February. Oh, one in February and one in March. So I start. I decided that me and my coach decided that the, this will be the start of the year, and then after after those races, I'll then start to focusing more on the longer distance races. Tokyo in specific, uh, they've actually changed the the city where the marathon is going to take place. Um, Tokyo, as we know, because um, the rugby was the rugby World Cup took place last year at s- more or less the same time, and as we know, the rugby was very very hot. Everyone was complaining about the humidity and the heat there. So we are certainly up for a hot hot race. Um, the city Sapporo, where they are planning to host the marathon now, is more to the north of uh, Japan. So it should be a few degrees cooler, but I'm s- I'm not saying cold. It's just going to be a bit cooler. So we are certainly we can se- we can certainly prepare ourselves for a hot race. Um, and with that, I think it will be important to acclimatize um, and to prepare my body for the for the circumstances. So I'll be doing some heat training um, and all sorts to sort of get myself in the right shape for that race. Thank you for taking us through your relatively short journey from start to where we are today, being a Comrades Marathon holder, Two Oceans Marathon holder and off for the Olympics. Hi, this is Lira, South African Afro soul singer and songwriter. You're listening to Womanity, Women in Unity, presented by Dr. Amelia Malka 
on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, a program that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggle for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights and democracy. Today, we're talking to Gerda Steen, who currently holds the winning titles of the Comrades Marathon and Two Oceans Marathon. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. Gerda, one of the things, because we're a, a, a gender-based radio program, is we look at aspects and, and dynamics in terms of gender equality. And contemplating the sporting arena, men's sport often gets significantly more exposure than women's sport. What do you think needs to be done to help elevate the profile of of women in sport? I think women in sport has certainly come a long way. Um, There was times where women's running was not even, women weren't even allowed to run more than 800 meters. And it wasn't that long ago. 800 meters. Yeah, it was seen that women can't run over 800 meters they are physically it's physically impossible for a lady to do that and um, for the the first lady who finished a marathon was only in the 70s Um, and if we think about it it's not long ago at all it is almost just the other day so yes women so 40 years ago approximately was when we had women our our first marathoner yes globally yes um she ran the boston marathon um catherine i can't remember her surname now um she ran the boston marathon and she first entered under a male name because women weren't allowed to even enter so she entered under a male name and the race organizers didn't pick it up and then um, she sort of sneaked into the start line. And there's amazing pictures of the race organizers trying to drag her off the marathon course because they realized there's a woman in the race. And she's sort of refusing to um, stop and pushing them away. And, and what was it? Did they think she was going to contaminate the race? Yes. Or they think they thought that women's bodies aren't able to do that. So it's like physically impossible for us to run. And it is an, an amazing story, actually. And it's not long ago at all that she's still alive and she's um, since then um, in started to really push women running whereas to a point where it was allowed and it then just grew and grew and she started women running clubs and all sorts so there's a large history in women running and especially in women distance running and for any sport if it's that young um, there must still be loads of, in ro- loads of room for improvement um, and I think that's what makes women running very very exciting um, especially in this day and age um, competing abroad really opened my eyes quite a bit um, in America we have seen an amazing boom in women marathoners in the last year um, they are I can't remember I think something like 500 of them have now qualified for their trials whereas in the past it's it's in the hundreds where only that qualified so that's really just taken off so much and I think for them they have got amazing role models like Shalane Flanagan and Daisy Linden who won the com- the New York Marathon and the Boston Marathon respectively um, in in the past two years. So I think for a woman, for a lady, for a female athlete, marathon runner at the moment, it's such an exciting time. Um, and we have to really 
pursue that and and see it as an opportunity. Um, we now see many races um, who in the past maybe have given, if it's a two-hour race, they've given women's side of the race maybe 10 minutes of broadcasting time, whereas now the rules have changed. You have to make 50% male, 50% female, or even 30% um, wheelchair female male. So things like that has really um, improved our sport. Also with prize money in, in many races, it's now so frowned upon if a race um, uh, tells tells you that they have got smaller prize money for women than men. I mean, they get so much bad uh, publicity if they if they even try to do that. Whereas a few years ago, it wasn't uh, it wasn't anything strange. It was just almost the the way to do it. So as a female athlete, it's very I, I feel very very pleased and very fortunate to see these changes in female sport. Um, if, I, if I take it more on a local platform, um, I think everybody watching our favorite races at the moment, the Two Oceans Marathon, the Comrades Marathon, even Cape Town Marathon, anyone who watches these races will tell you how exciting the female side of it is at the moment. Um, in the past, it was dominated by internationals, by Russians, uh, German um, athletes, everywhere across the world from Europe or wherever whereas now the local ladies are the most competitive ones we compete for the top spots and, and I think that's really improved the sport and Koda do you think that that's because we've had we've seen more of a local investment into talent to nurture it I do think it is for from local investment and I also think it's a it's a thing of it's just a it's an inspirational thing um for me, when I started running, I looked at Caroline Vostman and I saw her and she was sort of, she started running late. I'm start, I've started running late. She totally destroyed the field coming out of nowhere. And I thought maybe I can do it. And here I am, almost just echoing her story. So now who's some, someone out there is looking at me thinking this is me in five years time. And that's, I think, what is very, very important. We need these role models. We need these people in our local people, people that runs in our streets, that's um, approachable within a proximity of 300 kilometers. You can fly them down, you can see them in flesh. And I think that's very important. And it becomes a snowball effect. And I really hope to see more of this in the future because I really do honestly believe that there's more than just me out there who's got this talent, but maybe not have discovered it just yet. And how do you find or view the notion of you being a role model? Because effectively, you are. You, to, you, you've spoken about role models that have been in your life, but now you're a role model to the next generation. It's um it's a humbling thought to think that I'm a ro I might be a role model I, I'm a role model to someone um at this moment in my career I sort of I have to almost put it on a side I have to just focus on my training um focus on an everyday routine focus on how to become better because you know it, it I know that being a role model is very very important and it's a story that I want to be able to tell and um, words of encouragement I want to be able to give until the day like long after I stopped running so I'm sort of I feel like at the moment I'm still writing my story and I'm really like it's an investment for me for the future because it, it has to be told and it has to be put out there for many many years after and I really do hope that in the future 
there'll be loads of ladies that can still read about this or hear about this and see that it's genuine and it's not that far away. It's it's one of them. It's one of us. It's just, yeah, it's a local story. And I do think that I'm still writing that story. But, yeah, it's, it's a humbling thought to think that. And it, it gives, gives me great pleasure. And it brings a whole different dynamic to my running and my motivation and my inspiration um, if I know I'm doing it for someone else and can maybe bring someone else the same joy that I have had when I started running. I would love to say that I feel ready to hit the road <laughs> now, <laughs> but my running capabilities are nowhere near uh, we all what, have you, what you have. <laughs> but t- turning towards more of a personal perspective, one of the questions that I ask all my guests who made tremendous achievements in their, their respective fields is about some of the drivers that they consider have contributed towards their success. And listening to everything that you've said today, if I could describe you in, in one word, the word that comes to mind is is toughness <laughs> and grit. So can you share with us on some of your success factors? Yes, certainly you need a, a toughness of a different kind, of a, of a different animal <laughs> to be able... Running is tough. Running is a tough sport. Everyone who tries it will tell you if you're unfit and you're trying to get fit you're going to suffer so much everything's going to hurt and it's going to hurt for a long time and then one day you're going to go out and you're going to meet your friends and you're just going to feel like you're floating and what seemed to be hard earlier was is now easy and that feeling is incredible and then you just want to hang on to it then you don't ever want to feel unfit again because now it's almost like you've seen the light and you never want to go through the process of getting fit again so um, yes I think running takes a lot of traits um, but one thing that I can't leave out is talent and I'm very fortunate with that because yes I might not have discovered it earlier but I do think that I have a natural ability um, however if you don't put the hard work in you are that means nothing it will mean to you what it meant to me in the first 24 years of my life absolutely nothing so it goes together. You will, you could discover a talent, but if you don't put the hard work in every day, in and out, it it's it's it means nothing. So, but then also besides from just hard work and and um, talent, I think one of the aspects for me that is also um, it's contributed quite a lot is the fact that. I am coachable um, and I want to encourage people to always be mindful of that. Um, You need to be coachable. You need to be able to trust someone else that knows better than you to put you in the right direction. And I think if you if you get over that mental, uh, if it's a block for you, if you get over the block, it will open a whole world for you. And it really does help. And yeah, I think um, then also just uh, for me, if I can speak out of my own um, experience, I think what made it, what makes it easier for me at this time in my career, is the fact that I've had an entire life of social. I've had many friends. I, I had everything um, outside the world of running. Um, I loved, I loved the way I, I went about life before I started running, and that is very important. You need to be fulfilled without having to do an hour of hard running in a day you need to be 
happy with yourself, within yourself. You need to have a a, a peaceful, uh, holistic, uh, mental approach to life. You you should not be trying to find your happiness in your running. Make sure that who you are is already enough for yourself, and then. Um, add running to it and you'll find the pure joy of running. Well, thanks for sharing some of the the traits that you've developed and have, have contributed, but also the sense of, of quality of life that needs to complement your, your job. And effectively, running is, is your job now. Yes. So that you've got this holistic wrap around everything that you do. Yes, absolutely. I do think it's very, very important. And I get that as an athlete. It's not po- it's not always possible. I mean, I can't have, I don't have a lot of time now to socialize or to, to have late nights. I can't do that now. But it's it, having had that is for me it's very fulfilling so i'm fortunate that at, that my running career came at this time of my life because i'm ready for it now and i'm ready now to put my 100% attention into it and not feel like i'm i've left i'm i'm losing out on other sides of life <laughs> and lastly as we close out the conversation today could you share a few words of inspiration that you'd like to pass on to ladies that are, are listening to us on the continent Yes, um, I would love to do that because you you don't know often where you, who you inspire or who finds inspiration from something small that you say. So, yes, I do think that um, a lot of young ladies I can help them a lot, and um, I I love that they they li- if they listen to me, I'm, I'm very like I said before, very grateful for that. So, if I can give some words of encouragement or words of inspiration, is that ladies doesn't matter how old or young they are they should never think that they can't be something or they aren't enough you can be enough you can be the person that you dream of or the person that you that you have in mind or you can achieve something that you if you put in the hard work and you focus on that dream and you really do feel in your heart that this can be you. It it can be. It can be you. It doesn't have to be someone on a poster somewhere. That person also dreamed that it was a little girl who dreamed that massive dreams and she just decided to pursue it. So that's often the difference between the person who gets to the top and the person who never does. It's just that first leap of faith. Um, it's scary sometimes and it, it's frightening because it's uncertain. But I really want to encourage young women to, to, to be fearless when they pursue their dreams. Thank you. Those are fantastic words mm-hmm. of wisdom. Uh, we really appreciate you spending your time with us today. It's my pleasure. Thank you again for having me on the show. We wish you all the very best for the year to come and may you have many, many more wins. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You have been listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity on Channel Africa, The African Perspective. And we have been talking to Gerda Steyn, who currently holds the winning titles of the Comrades Marathon and Two Oceans Marathon. 